Shoes and Stockings, a collection of short stories by Louisa May Alcott. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn Francis. A Country Christmas, Part 3, by Louisa May Alcott. They found it difficult to keep their word when they were called at half-past six next morning. Their rooms were warm, however, and they managed to scramble down in time for breakfast, guided by the fragrance of coffee and Aunt Plummy's shrill voice singing the good old hymn, "'Lord, in the morning thou shalt hear my voice ascending high.' An open fire blazed on the hearth, for the cooking was done in the lean-to, and the spacious, sunny kitchen was kept in all its old-fashioned perfection, with the wooden settle in a warm nook, the tall clock behind the door, copper and pewter utensils shining on the dresser, old china in the corner closet, and a little spinning-wheel rescued from the garret by Sophie to adorn the deep window full of scarlet geraniums, Christmas roses, and white chrysanthemums. The young lady, in a checkered apron and mop-cap, greeted her friends with a dish of buckwheats in one hand and a pair of cheeks that proved she had been learning to fry these delicate cakes. "'You do keep it up in earnest, upon my word, and very becoming it is, dear. But won't you ruin your complexion and roughen your hands if you do so much of this new fancy work?' asked Emily, much amazed at this novel freak. "'I like it, and really believe I've found my proper sphere at last. Domestic life seems so pleasant to me that I feel as if I'd better keep it up for the rest of my life,' answered Sophie, making a pretty picture of herself as she cut great slices of brown bread, with the early sunshine touching her happy face. "'The charming Miss Vaughan, in the role of a farmer's wife, I find it difficult to imagine, and shrink from the thought of the widespread dismay such a fate will produce among her adorers,' added Randall as he basked in the glow of the hospitable fire. "'She might do worse, but come to breakfast and do honour to my handiwork,' said Sophie, thinking of her worn-out millionaire, and rather nettled by the satiric smile on Randall's lips. "'What an appetite early rising gives one! I feel equal to almost anything, so let me help wash cups,' said Emily." with unusual energy when the hearty meal was over and Sophie began to pick up the dishes as if it was her usual work. Ruth went to the window to water the flowers, and Randall followed to make himself agreeable, remembering her defense of him last night. He was used to admiration from feminine eyes and flattery from soft lips, but found something new and charming in the innocent delight which showed itself at his approach, in blushes more eloquent than words, and shy glances from eyes full of hero-worship. "'I hope you are going to spare me a posy for to-morrow night, since I can be fine in no other way to do honour to the dance Miss Sophie proposes for us,' he said, 
leaning in the bay window to look down on the little girl with the devoted air he usually wore for pretty women. "'Anything you like. I should be so glad to have you wear my flowers. There will be enough for all, and I've nothing else to give to people who have made me as happy as Cousin Sophie and you,' answered Ruth, half drowning her great calla as she spoke with grateful warmth. "'You must make her happy by accepting the invitation to go home with her, which I heard given last night. A peep at the world would do you good, and be a pleasant change, I think.' "'Oh, very pleasant. But would it do me good?' And Ruth looked up with sudden seriousness in her blue eyes, as a child questions an elder, eager, yet wistful. "'Why not?' asked Randall wondering at the hesitation. "'I might grow discontented with things here if I saw splendid houses and fine people. I am very happy now, and it would break my heart to lose that happiness, or ever learn to be ashamed of home.' "'But don't you long for more pleasure, new scenes, and other friends than these?' asked the man, touched by the little creature's loyalty to the things she knew and loved. "'Very often. But mother says when I'm ready they will come. So I wait, and try not to be impatient.' But Ruth's eyes looked out over the green leaves as if the longing was very strong within her to see more of the unknown world lying beyond the mountains that hemmed her in. "'It is natural for birds to hop out of the nest, so I shall expect to see you over there before long, and—' "'Ask you how you enjoy your first flight,' said Randall, in a paternal tone that had a curious effect on Ruth. To his surprise she laughed, then blushed like one of her own roses, and answered with a demure dignity that was very pretty to see. "'I intend to hop soon, but it won't be a very long flight, or very far from mother. She can't spare me.' and nobody in the world can fill her place to me. "'Bless the child, does she think I'm going to make love to her?' thought Randall, much amused but quite mistaken. Wiser women had thought so when he assumed the caressing air with which he beguiled them into the little revelations of character he liked to use, as the south wind makes flowers open their hearts to give up their odor, then leaves them to carry it elsewhere— the more welcome for the stolen sweetness. Perhaps you are right. The maternal wing is a safe shelter for confiding little souls like you, Miss Ruth. You will be as comfortable here as your flowers in this sunny window, he said, carelessly pinching geranium leaves and ruffling the roses till the pink petals of the largest fluttered to the floor. As if she instinctively felt and resented something in the man which his act symbolized, the girl answered quietly, as she went on with her work. "'Yes, if the frost does not touch me, or careless people spoil me too soon.' Before Randall could reply, Aunt Plummy approached like a maternal hen who sees her chicken in danger. "'Saul is going to haul wood after he's done his chores. "'Maybe you'd like to go along. "'The view is good, the road's well broke, "'and the day uncommon fine.' 
"'Thanks. It will be delightful, I dare say,' politely responded the lion, with a secret shudder at the idea of a rural promenade at eight a.m. in the winter. "'Come on, then. We'll feed the stock, and then I'll show you how to yoke oxen,' said Saul, with a twinkle in his eye as he led the way, when his new aide had muffled himself up, as if for a polar voyage. "'Now that's too bad of Saul. He did it on purpose, just to please you, Sophie,' cried Ruth presently, and the girls ran to the window to behold Randall bravely following his host with a pail of pig's food in each hand, and an expression of resigned disgust upon his aristocratic face. "'To what base use may we come?' quoted Emily, as they all nodded and smiled upon the victim as he looked back from the barnyard, where he was clamorously welcomed by his new charges. "'It is rather a shock at first, but it will do him good, and Saul won't be too hard upon him, I'm sure,' said Sophie, going back to her work while Ruth turned her best buds to the sun, that they might be ready for a peace-offering to-morrow. There was a merry clatter in the big kitchen for an hour. Then Aunt Plummy and her daughter shut themselves up in the pantry to perform some culinary rites, and the young ladies went to inspect certain antique costumes laid forth in Sophie's room. "'You see, Em, I thought it would be appropriate to the house and season to have an old-fashioned dance.' "'Aunt has quantities of ancient finery stowed away, "'for great-grandfather Bassett was a fine old gentleman, "'and his family lived in state. "'Take your choice of the crimson, blue, or silver-gray damask. "'Ruth is to wear the worked muslin and quilted white satin skirt, "'with that coquettish hat. "'Being dark, I'll take the red and trim it up with this fine lace.' "'You must wear the blue and primrose with the distracting high-heeled shoes. "'Have you any suits for the men?' asked Emily, "'throwing herself at once into the all-absorbing matter of costume. "'A claret velvet coat and vest, silk stockings, cocked hat, and snuff-box for Randall. "'Nothing large enough for Saul, so he must wear his uniform.' "'Won't Aunt Plummy be superb in this plum-colored satin and immense cap?' A delightful morning was spent in adapting the faded finery of the past to the blooming beauty of the present, and time and tongues flew till the toot of a horn called them down to dinner. The girls were amazed to see Randall come whistling up the road with his trousers tucked into his boots, blue mittens on his hands, and an unusual amount of energy in his whole figure as he drove the oxen, while Saul laughed at his vain attempts to guide the bewildered beasts. "'It's immense! The view from the hill is well worth seeing, for the snow glorifies the landscape and reminds one of Switzerland. I'm going to make a sketch of it this afternoon. Better come and enjoy the delicious freshness, young ladies.' Randall was eating with such an appetite that he did not see the glances the girls exchanged as they promised to go. "'Bring home some more wintergreen. I want things to be real nice, 
and we haven't enough for the kitchen, said Ruth, dimpling with girlish delight as she imagined herself dancing under the green garlands in her grandmother's wedding gown. It was very lovely on the hill, for far as the eye could reach lay the wintry landscape, sparkling with the brief beauty of sunshine on virgin snow. Pines sighed overhead, hardy birds flitted to and fro, and in all the trodden spots rose the little spires of evergreen, ready for its Christmas duty. Deeper in the wood sounded the measured ring of axes, the crash of falling trees, while the red shirts of the men added color to the scene, and a fresh wind brought the aromatic breath of newly cloven hemlock and pine. "'How beautiful it is! I never knew before what winter woods were like. Did you, Sophie?' asked Emily, sitting on a stump to enjoy the novel pleasure at her ease. "'I found out lately. Saul lets me come as often as I like, and this fine air seems to make a new creature of me,' answered Sophie, looking about her with sparkling eyes, as if this was a kingdom where she reigned supreme. "'Something is making a new creature of you. That is very evident.' I haven't yet discovered whether it is the air or some magic herb among that green stuff you are gathering so diligently. And Emily laughed to see the color deepen beautifully in her friend's half-averted face. Scarlet is the only wear just now, I find. If we are lost like babes in the woods, there are plenty of redbreasts to cover us with leaves. And Randall joined Emily's laugh with a glance at Saul, who had just pulled his coat off. "'You wanted to see this tree go down, so stand from under, and I'll show you how it's done,' said the farmer, taking up his axe, not unwilling to gratify his guests and display his manly accomplishments at the same time. It was a fine sight, the stalwart man swinging his axe with magnificent strength and skill. Each blow— sending a thrill through the stately tree, till its heart was reached, and it tottered to its fall. Now pausing for breath, Saul shook his yellow mane out of his eyes, and hewed away, while the drops stood on his forehead, and his arm ached, as bent on distinguishing himself, as if he had been a knight tilting against his rival for his lady's favor. I don't know which to admire most, the man or his muscle. One doesn't often see such vigor, size, and comeliness in these degenerate days, said Randall, mentally booking the fine figure in the red shirt. I think we have discovered a rough diamond. I only wonder if Sophie is going to try and polish it, answered Emily glancing at her friend who stood a little apart, watching the rise and fall of the axe as intently as if her fate depended on it. Down rushed the tree at last, and, leaving them to examine a crow's nest in its branches, Saul went off to his men, as if he found the praises of his prowess rather too much for him. Randall fell to sketching, the girls to their garland making, and for a little while 
the sunny woodland nook was full of lively chat and pleasant laughter for the air exhilarated them all like wine suddenly a man came running from the wood pale and anxious saying as he hastened by for help blasted tree fell on him bleed to death before the doctor comes who who cried the startled trio but the man ran on with some breathless reply in which only a name was audible bassett the deuce it is and randall dropped his pencil while the girl sprang up in dismay then with one impulse they hastened to the distant group half visible behind the fallen trees in corded wood sophie was there first and forcing her way through the little crowd of men saw a red-shirted figure on the ground crushed and bleeding and threw herself down beside it with a cry that pierced the hearts of those who heard it in the act she saw it was not saul and covered her bewildered face as if to hide its joy a strong arm lifted her and the familiar voice said cheeringly i'm all right dear poor bruce is hurt but we've sent for help better go right home and forget all about it yes i will if i can do nothing and sophie meekly returned to her friends who stood outside the circle over which saul's head towered assuring them of his safety hoping they had not seen her agitation she led emily away leaving randall to give what aid he could and bring them news of the poor woodchopper's state aunt plummy produced the camphire the moment she saw sophie's pale face and made her lie down while the brave old lady trudged briskly off with bandages and brandy to the scene of action on her return she brought comfortable news of the man so the little flurry blew over and was forgotten by all but sophie who remained pale and quiet all the evening tying evergreen as if her life depended on it a good night's sleep will set her up she ain't used to such things dear child and needs cussedin said aunt plummy purring over her until she was in her bed with a hot stone at her feet and a bowl of herb tea to quiet her nerves an hour later when emily went up she peeped in to see if sophie was sleeping nicely and was surprised to find the invalid wrapped in a dressing-gown writing busily last will and testament or sudden inspiration dear how are you faint or feverish delirious or in the dumps saul looks so anxious and mrs bassett hushes us all up so i came to bed leaving randall to entertain ruth as she spoke emily saw the papers disappear in a portfolio and sophie rose with a yawn i was writing letters but i'm sleepy now quite over my foolish fright thank you go and get your beauty sleep that you may dazzle the natives to-morrow so glad good night and emily went away saying to herself something is going on and i must find out what it is before i leave sophie can't blind me but sophie did all the next day 
being delightfully gay at the dinner, and devoting herself to the young minister who was invited to meet the distinguished novelist, and evidently, being afraid of him, gladly basked in the smiles of his charming neighbor. A dashing sleigh-ride occupied the afternoon, and then great was the fun and excitement over the costumes. Aunt Plummy laughed till the tears rolled down her cheeks, as the girls compressed her into the plum-colored gown with its short waist, leg of mutton sleeves, and narrow skirt. But a worked scarf hid all the deficiencies, and the towering cap struck awe into the soul of the most frivolous observer. "'Keep an eye on me, girls, for I shall certainly split somewhere or lose my headpiece off when I'm trotting round.' What would my blessed mother say if she could see me rigged out in her best things? And with a smile and a sigh, the old lady departed to look after the boys and see that the supper was all right. End of Part 3